Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I couldn't be more excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Josiane Fagan. She's a sales futurist, the founder of Telesmart Communications, and the author of The Smart Sales Manager and Smart Selling on the Phone and Online. Now, for the past 11 years, Josiane has written and published a trend report, a sales trend report that lays out the significant macro trends that are coming in sales in specific and more generally in business and that's coming up in the upcoming year. So in this case, we're going to talk about the report she's written about what's going to happen in 2016. So if you ever wonder what future hold for sales and for business, well, Josiane's going to help us sort it all out. Josiane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. Oh, it's always great to talk to you. So take a minute, introduce yourself to the audience. How'd you get your start in sales? Sure. Uh, well, I've had my own sales training company, Telesmart, for about 22 years. And uh, what we do is we provide sales training for inside sales uh, at the team level and the manager level. We have a global program that uh, takes everyone through the 10 skills they have to have in order to be successful on the phone and online. So I've been a big, big inside sales advocate for many, many years. Excellent. Excellent. So what are the 10 skills you need? <laughs> well, the 10 skills are primarily in my first book, Smart Selling on the Phone and Online. And they really go through sort of the sales process. But, you know, that book is probably about eight or nine years old. And it's still incredibly relevant with the 10 skills that really go through, you know, everything from time management to introducing, navigating, questioning, listening, linking, uh, presenting, handling objections. Uh, partnering and closing. So all those skills are really looked at sort of under a microscope uh, in my book and certainly in the training. Well, that was really just a test to see if you could remember all 10 because I find that you know, most, most authors, when you ask them <laughs> about the specifics of the books, once they've written it, it's, that memory sort of vaporizes about what's in there. So you passed the test. Good job. Good. Now, don't ask me my phone number when I was in high school because <laughs> yeah. I really won't remember that yeah, one. Yeah, that's, that's, that was gone a long time ago. So tell me, what was sort of the impetus for you to start writing these trend reports? 
Sure. Well, I've always been fascinated with trends. I mean, um, I in my past life, I used to work in the fashion industry many, many, many years ago. And, uh, you know, in the fashion industry, when you sell a, a line, you're selling it to buyers and you're basically selling something that's going to be in the stores nine months in advance. Mm -hmm. so like for right now, I'd probably be selling uh, fall of 2016. So, you know, I would know the fashions and the colors and everything that would be in the stores, you know, in the next nine months. And I was always like fascinated with, you know, the whole trend, the development of trends and how people follow trends. And um, I also think I, I'm a bit of a clairvoyant. <laughs> I also think I have those secret powers where I just kind of know something's going to happen. And Do you have I a, a crystal ball somewhere? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but so once I started doing these, I just, you know, I sort of expanded it. You know, I do an in and out list of like what's hot and what's not. And I do sort of pop culture and all that. But literally, you know, in the last 10 to 12 years, I've really taken a big dive into the trends. And then I really find when I go back a few years later, I'm like, whoa, I was right about that. That really happened. So I've really invested in this sort of trend work and futurist work, especially this last year. Okay. So what sort of research goes into trend spotting? A lot, a lot. And, and, you know, this is what makes this report probably different than uh, just having a lot of sales leaders do predictions because I actually do a lot, a lot of research. I, I research through tons of different publications, analyst reports, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of hours. And then what I end up doing is I filter through all of them to really decide which ones are relevant for the sales uh, teams. For example, drones, all right? We know drones are happening, but you know, really, how is a salesperson going to, you know, um, benefit from knowing about drones? So I really try and look at trends that they need to really pay attention to that relate to their work. Okay. Well, let's let's dive into some of these because we've got a you know limited period of time here. So one is you talk about number one, we'll take them in order, is field sales is looking inside. Now, yes. it seems like that trend's really been around for some time or has something changed about that? Because, you know, that progression from field sales to you know being replaced in large part by inside sales teams has been happening right yeah i mean this whole trend report actually is dedicated to the workforce of the future uh last year my trend report was dedicated to the millennials but the reason i dedicated this one to the workforce of the future is that we really are seeing five generations in the workplace right now. So our entire workforce and how we look at talent, how we, you know, retain them, how we recruit them is really transforming. So that was the theme of this report is let's, let's really look at our workforce. And in, in that, looking at field sales, because sales organizations now are structuring their sales organizations with less field salespeople and a lot more inside salespeople. Sure. Makes sense. I mean, part of it is a, a recognition of the fact that even when they had field salespeople, most of them were doing their work in the office anyway. Yes. So to me, it's, it's like, the real change, I mean, the change in title, the change in perspective of what people are doing maybe, or perception maybe change, but 
So the next thing you had was was uh, number two was digital technology will replace some B two B salespeople, and you talk about this. You reference this Forrester research report that's been bruited about for a bunch that <laughs> that you know we're gonna see um, uh, the four point five million sales reps that currently exist. We're gonna lose a million of them. <laughs> Isn't that overblown? Well, I think it might be a bit exaggerated, but, you know, the thing is that it's our customer. It's really the customer. They're just saying, leave me alone. You know, I mean, I always give this example of um, Teslas, right? Like my cousin bought a Tesla. And what did he do? He went online. He figured out everything he wanted, all the features. And six weeks later, $120,000 later, he had his new Tesla. Now, the whole car industry is transforming. The days are gone where you'd go into a car dealership and you'd talk to the guy and massage uh, a discount and he'd go and ask his manager. Like, all of that is disappearing. And again, it's the customer. It's that customer that's saying, leave me alone. I know what I want and I know how to get it myself. So, you know, salespeople are going to get, you know, are you are going to get eliminated some of that process? <laughs> well, possibly, right? I mean, th- the issue really, though, boils down to, and I guess this is is maybe one of the trends, is that we know there are certain product types that if the channel adds no value, then it goes away, right? I mean, yes. there, there, <laughs> there used to be, I'm sure, you know, people that used to come to your offices all the time, like selling office supplies, right? How many pens do you need? How many folders? How many notebooks? You know, and years ago, people said, we don't need that. We're just, we can order that all online because the channel adds no value. Right. So that really becomes, to me, is really perhaps one of the trends we need to look at is how does, how does the channel maintain its value in the face of, as you said, all these technological advances? Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, I feel like some of the repetitive type of work you know, um, I know that we've got a lot of lead gen teams and SDRs and some of them are, you know, they're using dialers and some of these repetitive type of work uh, already is starting to disappear. Well, yeah, because, again, they haven't changed. And that, that that's really, this is a, you know, get me on my soapbox. Here we go. I guess I can do it. It's my show. I can do whatever I want. But, you know, the, 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 the thing that that just drives me nuts is, yeah, we've got these changes, these increased specialization of sales roles and people should be becoming experts at certain roles. And yet we see the same mistakes being made over and over and over again. Again, I can't tell you how many times you can read a day. You could probably go find right now within 30 seconds, you could probably find 10 articles about how to warm up a cold sales call by using LinkedIn. Uh-huh. And yet, I can't tell you how many times a week I'll get a call from an SDR calling me about a product that I am in no way in shape and form qualified <laughs> to be a prospect for. And if yeah. they had just looked at my LinkedIn profile, they would have known that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so the problem I, is either they look at the profile and they don't know how to read or, you know, I don't know what they should, but God, we, yeah, they're salespeople. If you're listening to this or sales managers, you are your own worst enemy in this regard. If you want to be replaced by automation, don't add value. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And and that's why the intelligent ones and the smart ones will survive. 
you know, the ones that will do, they will use their tools, you know, they will use the sales intelligence tools, they will use the sales productivity tools. I mean, you know, voicemail is dead. I'm going to be the first to, I, I continuously am saying voicemail is dead, but I'll tell you, if I get a cool little one minute video from a rep introducing themselves, I'm going to open that and watch it a whole lot faster than listen to my voicemail message. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, let's talk about the workforce and stuff. You talk about true authority will be defined by merit, not position. Now, this is certainly something that you hear about as, you know, really one of the influences of the millennials coming into the workforce that as a generation, as opposed to us boomers who are, you know, a little more static and rigid in our, our perspective on the hierarchy, yeah, they don't care about that. It's, hey, this is what I do. I'm worth a certain amount of money. Pay me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is an interesting one. And, you know, this is a tough one because this millennial generation really defies authority, okay? And I see this all the time. I, I deliver stand-up training for new hires, and I watch them. And I stand up there and say something, and they don't want to accept what I'm saying. But if their neighbor right next to them <laughs> says it, they'll listen. And so... Um, we're really finding that, you know, we're also in a, in a time of, of elections, right? We're all looking for a leader, but we're not finding a leader. And this is really around true authority is, is who is really going to lead? Who's, who's really going to have the influence to lead? And, you know, a lot of salespeople aren't listening to their managers. They much rather listen actually to their parents before they listen to their manager. I mean, I have people... Uh, that when they go to HR about an issue, they're texting their mom to ask for advice on what they should say to HR. <laughs> Chris, I was talking to um, a guest on a show not that long ago, a woman named Lee Carraher that runs a digital agency in, in San Francisco, actually. And she's written a book about managing millennials um, and you know, talked about the fact that they had to put in place a policy at their firm that you can't bring your parent along on a job interview. <laughs> this is, I know. I'm not. I, this is talking my language. It's, it's, it's funny. I well, know. but I but I think the issue really with the millennials, which which I think is a really perfectly valid and great issue, is <laughs> is that is that you need to, you know, you can't just be a command and control manager. Yes. You need to add value. You know, yes. What they're looking for is they're looking to make a contribution. And if you can't help me make that contribution, yes. then, yeah, I'll, I'll go talk to my parents. Maybe they can help me make a contribution more than you can. And I think that's, I think that's perfectly fair. Yes, yes. And, and also, you know, for example, I am the mother of a true millennial. You know, she's 26 years old. And these millennials were, you know, they grew up with sort of workaholic parents. They're the ones that watch their parents work all the time. And that's why a lot of them are saying, I want life balance, is they're saying, I don't want to work and kill myself like my parents did. However, they still look to them for career advice. So, yeah, well, I think that, but I think you have a an interesting phrase that you used, I think it was in your 14th uh, trend out of 16, which is shifting from work-life balance to work-life mm -hmm. integration. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, that's, that's a much better way to, to address this whole thing because, yeah, the, it's not a matter of balance anymore, right? It's not like, oh, gosh, I need to have eight hours of work and eight hours of pleasure and they're discrete entities and they're going to you know, balance, balance each other out on a scale, but, but 
you know, the boundaries have been, you know, they're fluid and they've been, you know, interchanged for a long time. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this work-life balance is definitely, you know, that's why we do have millennials that they don't really care about working that hard. I mean, they'll, they'll give you a good couple years and they'll do great and they'll make great money, especially in sales. And then all of a sudden they'll like, you know what, I want to go to Puerto Rico or I want to travel for the next year. You know, I'll check you out later. And they're gone. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> that's perfectly fine, too. I, I think that that part of that, again, stems from the fact that there's uh maybe more confidence in in general in some of their skill sets in terms of what the contribution they can make and so they feel like they can absent for a while and come back and still be relevant yes exactly and they are they usually are actually <laughs> yeah well i mean it's it's interesting that that given sort of the having grown up in a digital age that there's a little bit more consistent learning that goes on Whereas, you know, in the in the millennial generation, I just envision that when they're in their 40s, you know, they're not going to be as surprised by changes in technology like, you know, hey, here's a smartphone or, hey, you know, here, here are these apps on your phone compared to even, you know, I, I think I stay very current. Um, but, you know, I've got some friends that, you know, some of these apps are still a mystery to them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And they wonder why would you possibly use them? <laughs> so I don't think that generation's gonna have that same issue as they as they continue to mature and grow throughout their lives. Yeah, I mean that's the first thing I do when I'm around, you know, that generation is I grab their phones, I look at their apps, I look at their music choices, I I just watch what they do. You know, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, I take it as a personal challenge to stay <laughs> actually ahead of my kids when it comes to music choices. So other than. <laughs> Not not a huge hip hop fan, but other than that, outside that and current music, you know they've got a race for their money. Um, so another um, yes one that was on your on your list to sort of follow up on the millennial talk was Generation Z. Mm, yes. So yes. tell people what Generation Z is because I think this is so, a new term for many people. They're obviously younger than the millennials. Um, they're probably at the 19-year-old stage right now and the 19 to maybe 22-year-old stage. Um, but they are entering the workforce uh, this year in a big way. They're graduating and they're entering the workforce and they're really different than the millennials. I mean, the millennials are really projected to be one of our most productive generations we've had in years. And so your Gen Z sort of follows after that, but they're probably a little more mellow than uh, the millennials and they're incredibly, incredibly tech savvy, very tech savvy. And um, they have just very different values and you know they're they're they they're probably financially uh more together than the millennials in some ways but um they're still too young to really know you know exactly what's going on with them but they're another generation that's going to be popping up yeah it's interesting and you use the word tech savvy too and you think about this from you know a managerial sense and you know looking for people for jobs and so on is is that's going to disappear from and it has to some degree disappeared from like job descriptions and the like because you know for the generations coming up it, it, this is not a skill this is just part of life right it's like saying in a job description i want somebody who can eat or somebody who can feed themselves you know tech being able to use technology is going to be that much of the day-to-day -day life that you really can't draw it out as a specific skill any longer. 
Yeah, and I, I think we need to learn how to meet them at that level. And, you know, the, the one area, number three, where I meant talent growth will be exponential, not linear. And that that means that, you know, people are still writing job descriptions like they did five years ago. And mm -hmm. that's not working. Um, you know, for example, I have a company that I know that made a job offered to an employee, but they sent it through Instagram. So... That's what I'm talking about, being creative and meeting them on their terms. Right. No, I like that. That's a great, great example. <laughs> so another one that, that was interesting to me, which was number nine on your list, you mm. say sales and marketing still can't avoid the no pose. <laughs> now, so tell people what no pose are. Yeah, well, you know, this is a term that's so dear to my heart, certainly one that I've coined. And no post stands for no power, no potential, and no purchasing authority. And basically what they are is sort of glorified gatekeepers, but they're sophisticated gatekeepers because they come uh, under the disguise of, of big titles. They're managers, they're consultants. And so what happens is they usually show a lot of activity when it comes to downloading webinars and ebooks and white papers so they actually score really high um, in in lead scoring and what happens is a marketing organization looks at them and they're like whoa look at this this is a sales ready lead let's throw it over to sales and so what happens with sales is they grab that lead and they make an appointment because again these no posts love data they love they have nothing else to do so they love to educate themselves on your own dime and, and so they'll accept appointments they'll accept you know on-site uh, visits all of that and then you know the bottom line is that they really infect the sales funnel because nothing ever closes all right so so let me ask the question because this is <laughs> people who listen to the show regularly know I'm about ready to get up onto my soapbox on this is why can't I, I? I remember this uh, book that was written about the failure of our education system, called "Why Johnny Can't Learn" or "Why Can't Johnny oh, Learn." Yes, and yes. and we have a huge failure in our sales education system because this problem you're identifying that they still are going to be doing, they you know, they still can't avoid no pose. You know, for the millennial, <laughs> for hundreds of years that you know modern selling has been around. This has been the issue that salespeople fritter away time on people who are never going to buy from them. Yep. Yep. So yep. so why why what's so broken in the way that we train well, that we train salespeople that we can't get them to learn not yeah. to do this? You know, I, I always called to mind in the movie Up, <laughs> the great Disney movie or Pixar movie Up. You know, when the somebody says squirrel, you know, the dog, you know, looking around for a squirrel. It's sort of like, you know, the no pose like squirrel, right? Right, right. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I compare them to the, um, um, I forgot what to call them, what their names are. Um, but see, it's, it's actually deeper than that, Andy, and, and certainly something that I was writing in, in my third book that we were talking about earlier. Um, there's a, a whole psychology with salespeople around confidence, and there's been a lot of confidence barometers that are showing that the average salesperson is pretty low on their self-esteem and their confidence. So if you're going to actually blast through a no-po and go around them and go above them and get past them, it takes a lot more courage. And even though they're always dealing with 
objections all the time and handling rejections. There's something a lot more um, complex in getting past that NOPO because the NOPO gives them a lot of fake confidence. The NOPO loves everything they're saying, loves, it's it's really like being in a bad relationship that you can't get out of, seriously. It's, it's that obvious. So it's not so much the training as much as it's them having to recognize that they're in the wrong place and they've got to get out. Sure, sure. But I mean, and there's two scenarios. One is, hey, it's a legitimate opportunity and the NOPO is a gatekeeper, as you said. But equally, it's just not an opportunity. And right. so why I was really talking about the second second scenario, it's just not an opportunity. Cut bait, leave, go do something else. You know, where's the confidence in there? Because to me, if people are act in their own self-interest, which in most cases they do, especially in sales, it shouldn't be so hard to get people to understand that, oh yeah, that's not going anywhere. <laughs> but see, I need to stop talking to them. Well, they give you hope, though. They give you hope. They say, oh, yeah, we had a meeting. Uh, call me back next week. Uh, I'll let you know how the meeting went. Or I need another proposal. I need this. I need. So what they do is they sort of neutralize the salesperson, you know, because they're constantly asking for something else. So right when the salesperson thinks, okay, this is it, you know, then they'll say, you know what? I want to add two more people to the call. So the salesperson goes, oh, we're adding more people. This is a good sign. My manager told me to call deeper and wider but who are those two people they're what i call the nopo entourage they <laughs> the posse the, the the posse right they continue sort of that inbreeding yeah that's crazy <laughs> i know all right well for people that want to we're gonna move on to the next segment of the show but before we go we just want to let people know you know for um for people that are interested in learning more about the 16 trends that Josiane has we're going to give you information in just a bit uh, it's well worth reading because it's good food for thought, especially for managers saying, okay, what's happening in the economy that's going to affect us in sales. So our last segment of the show is I, I pose some questions and scenarios to guests to uh, sort of get their thinking on sales and get some rapid fire responses from them. So it's always a fun, fun segment. So are you ready? Yes. Okay. And I should preface that by saying it's always fun for me. And I think it's usually fun for the guests. So, <laughs> so here's the first one. So here's a hypothetical scenario. You've just been hired as a new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out. And senior management really wants things to turn around in a hurry. So your first week on the job, first week on the job, what are the two things you could do that would have the biggest impact? Well... There's no doubt that I would run to the talent because that's always been what I've dedicated my work to is the talent. And what I mean by the talent, I mean the people, mm -hmm. you know, I would immediately go watch what's going on. I'd listen to the people. I'd watch them. Uh, I would listen to the customers. But that that'd be the first thing um, I to see how I could turn it around and what talent we have to work with. And certainly the talent that has been ignored uh, the talent that has been maybe over overly you know used, but I'd, I'd really first assess the talent that we have. And uh, probably the second part is I would really understand the tools, you know, what tools are in place, because I feel that that is so, so critical. I, I don't understand how a sales organization uh, can function if they have an archaic CRM. I mean, I just don't understand. 
so because I'd look at the tools, I'd look at you know how they're mining mm-hmm. their customer base. But I would say that's those are the two things I would glance at right away. Okay, perfect. In the first week. All right, so here's some rapid-fire questions. You can give me one-word answers if you want, or you can elaborate. So first one is when you sell something, what's your most powerful sales tool or powerful sales attribute? Mm. Um, That's a great question. Uh, I'm a good storyteller, maybe. Okay. Don't sound Uh so confident. You are? Yeah, I think I'm. I I think I'm good at understanding the needs and and how to best align something. So okay. yeah. All right. Yeah. So what's one tool you use for managing your own sales that you can't live without? Ooh, um, you know, I really, really am a focused person. It's it's you know, I'm a big sort of. I'm very ambitious. I write lists, and I really have sort of that intention of every day just. I know what I need to do, um, and that's kind of gotten me pretty far in the world. So okay. I'm gonna hang out with that. Yeah. Focus. Next question: Who's your sales role model? Ooh, who's my sales role model? Great question. Um, okay, rapid fire. Who's my sales role model? Um, you know, I'm probably more excited about marketing role models because I'm super intrigued with marketing and branding. Sure. So who's who's your uh, and so who's my big, big sales role model or marketing role model that I'm blown away with? Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Um, you know, I'm going to say something. Sure. David Bowie. And I'll tell you why. Because I've been so bummed that he passed away. Yeah. And yet I'm so fascinated at how he reinvented his brand all the time. Um, and I feel like, you know, someone that has the ability to constantly reinvent themselves and and get out to such a and then to his death literally the guy runs yeah, literally to the day he died right exactly so that's the first thing that pops to my mind i love it great answer all right besides your own books what's one book every salesperson should read mm, wow um that's a great, 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 great question. Of course, we're, I should we're, say we're, we're the home of great questions. Uh huh. I know you are. Um, I would probably say ah, uh, there's so many sales books out there. I hate to do this. <laughs> Let's say yours. Yours. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. What a safe answer. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So what's on your playlist? What's your favorite music to listen to? Oh, well, I'm kind of a teeny bopper. I listen to people like Sia, and mm-hmm. I listen to people like um, Mumford & Sons and Hoser. But then again, I go classical, and then I go to kind of world music, and I like tango and flamingo and um, some Arabic music. Oh, and so mul- multiple kinda, playlists. I like yeah, that. just not really good on the country western front. Uh, but other than that, I'm, you know, I'm a, a little bit of, of everything. Okay. So last question for you. What's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? Oh, great question. Um, <laughs> well, the one I get asked the most is, how did you go into business on your own? How can I do it? That's usually the one they always ask All me. All right. And the answer is? And usually I say, you know, it takes a lot more commitment than anything. And it's not as easy as it looks. Um, 
that would probably and then the monotony how do i get past the monotony and i talk to them about how to make it fun how to refresh yourself all the time to just keep going crank up the music and dance when you're by yourself there you go there you go all right <laughs> well Josiane, i want to thank you for being on the show today how, how fun well how can people find out more about you uh, definitely uh, my website, www.tele-smart.com, and they can follow me on Twitter at Josiane Fagan. And certainly, Andy, I'll be uh, promoting this podcast on our site and, and all of that as well. Well, perfect. Thank you. And and can they find a copy of the 2016 Trend Report on your absolutely, website? Absolutely. They could download a copy and it's all there for them, as well as previous reports of all the 11 years. So you can see how accurate Josiane has been over the years. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Well, good. Well, thanks for joining us. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is a great way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of our conversations with top business experts like our guest today, Josiane Fagan, who shared their expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at revenue.io.